So we've had a lot of talk this morning about dealing with our stuff. The places where we're in pain, the baggage that we're carrying, the beliefs that we have about ourselves and the world that don't look like the truth of God, that don't look like life in all its fullness. And so we've been, we've been praying this in, and as part of that I prayed that a culture of authenticity and integrity would grow across our church, and that we would find big and little ways to model that. And uh, shortly after praying that prayer, I realised what my preaching topics are for the next two Sundays, and I had a quiet chuckle at God's sense of humour. So this week, I'm talking on the dark night of the soul, the wilderness experiences, the times in life where God is seemingly absent, when we feel lost and adrift and abandoned. And so to help us get into this, I'd love us to start by reading Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony, as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. In my experience, the dark night can be quite a taboo thing to talk about. We come to church on Sundays and we see people lifting their hands in worship and praying earnestly and passionately. We send people out from here, following their big and audacious callings from God. We hear people talk about the great revelations they found in the Bible that week. We hear a lot about the peak moments, the mountaintop moments. And we don't hear about the disappointment and the dryness when we come desperate for God and experience the Bible as dust and prayer as an impossibility. And there are probably all sorts of reasons that we don't talk about this much. If I came to you and I told you that I was so desperate for God that it made my bones hurt and that I'd forgotten what his voice sounds like and that prayer and reading the Bible felt like eating sawdust, well, you might be a bit concerned. You might worry that I'd been disobedient or was caught in some kind of habitual sin or was having a crisis of faith. Perhaps not very encouraging to hear from someone who's a leader in this community. But I'm taking a risk this morning 
and telling you that this has been true for me for a good chunk of this year. One of the best parts of my job is that I get to point other people towards Jesus, but for a while, I lost all sense of direction. What a cheery subject for a baptism Sunday. But I talked about this with Holly, and she made the excellent point that she and Toby are not bringing Lily into a happy, clappy faith that promises sunshine and rainbows forever and ever. Amen. Jesus himself said in Matthew 16 that to follow him is to daily pick up our cross and walk in his footsteps. Or in John 16, Jesus says that in this life, you will have trouble. It's not a surprise to God when we experience difficulty. It's part and parcel of the human experience. We're at risk of heading into a talk that dwells in doom and gloom, so please be at peace. That is not my heart or my intention this morning. We're going to look at a few places where I think the dark night shows up in the Bible before looking at how the wilderness is actually a gift to us and something that can bring us closer to God. So the dark night of the soul isn't language that comes from the Bible, but actually from two Spanish mystics from the 16th century, St. Teresa of Avila and St. John of the Cross. And they both reacted against the excesses of the Catholic Church at that time, and so instead turned to deep contemplative prayer and ascetic practice. St. Teresa was a great reformer. She brought a lot of change to the Carmelite order for both men and women. And St. John met her and was inspired by her work and so followed her leadership. There's some really interesting Reformation history to dig into there if you feel so inclined, uh, but I'm not going down that particular rabbit hole this morning. The point to dwell on is that despite their great spiritual practices, St. John's writings tell us that both he and St. Teresa both had this experience of desolation without consolation. The ideas that come from St. John's poem, The Dark Night of the Soul, have come into popular culture as any kind of crisis or perhaps a period of depression. But the origin of the concept is when we go through a time where God feels absent, where he intentionally withdraws the felt sense of his presence. Not his actual presence, but our felt sense of it. Because our feelings about something are different to the thing itself. I might not immediately feel love towards my husband when he's taking up three quarters of the bed in the middle of the night, but that doesn't change the fact that I love him deeply. The feeling is different to the truth. We might feel that God is absent, but that doesn't mean he is. And I think this is something that we see all over the Bible. The psalm I read at the beginning shows both an awareness of the joy of God's presence and a deep longing for that sense of presence to return. So in verse 4, David writes, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise. So there's joy there, but there's also this visceral sense of longing. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. This is the language of the desert, of a deer panting with thirst and desperate for water. I think we've watered this psalm down a little and viewed it as a good thing. God, we come to you with longing and we want to worship you. But if we hold the whole of the psalm, there's a real sense of desolation and desperation here. Oh my soul, why are you so disturbed? Why are you downcast within me? 
The desert is a hard and aching place to be. And if that ache echoes in you this morning, I just want to say that I see you. And more importantly, God sees you. You are not alone. And this isn't the only time we see this attitude of desperation in the book of Psalms. In Psalm 77, we see this again. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. This psalm goes on to ask, has God forgotten to be merciful? I don't know about you, but I've asked that question. When I've prayed big prayers, often for healing and not seen an answer, or at least not the answer I wanted or the outcome I thought should happen. Even just in everyday life, rather than the crisis points, when I'm just trying to sort out payroll and not burn my lunch, God, have you forgotten to be merciful? God, have you forgotten to talk to me today? In a time of the dark night, there's almost a bitterness to everything. Joy and delight seem to have disappeared from daily life. Now, if we're too busy to spend time with God, or if we're actively choosing to just watch Netflix instead, that's probably not a dark night of the soul. That's something different to look at. It's more this feeling that nothing satisfies anymore, because ultimately only God will meet that need. And walking with that becomes wearying. It's hard on the soul. So before we move on, I'd like to look beyond David and the Psalms to see who else in the Bible might have experienced a dark night. I think Noah is a prime candidate. We've turned this story into one of rainbows and nursery toys where animals come in twos. But what do you think Noah's spiritual state might have been throughout this story? He built an ark because God told him to because God wanted to wipe out all the wickedness on the earth. And the Bible doesn't say much about this, but can you imagine the weight on Noah's soul? Knowing what was coming as he labored to build the ark and gather the animals. And then in all the time of waiting while they were on the boat, there's no mention in the text that God spoke at any time during this episode. From the start of the rain to getting out of the ark took 12 and a half months. Twelve and a half months in which God unmade creation and returned it to the formless waters we see at the very start of the story, before the floods receded and life returned to the earth. All of which to say, it seems that there was so much darkness and waiting in Noah's story. There was no option to go back. He couldn't press Control-Z and undo. There was no way back. He could only go through. We tend to think of the wilderness as being a place of the desert, but for Noah, it seems as though the wilderness was a place of water and floods. And there was relief and breakthrough on the other side of the wilderness. After the rain and the silence, God made a covenant, a promise with humanity, never to try and unmake the earth with flooding again. And maybe, just maybe, if a move of God like that one is on the other side of the dark night, maybe we can argue that there's something good in this. There is something good to be found in the dark. And who else might we look at? Perhaps Abraham experienced something of the dark night when God asked him to sacrifice his son on a mountainside. 
Joseph was abandoned and forgotten in a prison for years before he walked into God's promises and was given power and position in Egypt. Moses ran off into the wilderness before he met God in a burning bush and life was never the same again. The Israelites grumbled their way through the desert for 40 years, even wanting to go back to slavery in Egypt because at least they got fed there until eventually they came through to the promised land. In these stories, there is a refining that happens in the desert and the darkness. There is space and there is permission to shed some of the baggage that we have accumulated and focus on what matters. So we've taken a fairly whistle-stop tour of the Old Testament this morning. But what about the new? What about Jesus? There are countless instances across the stories of Jesus that talk about how he took time alone to be with his father. He walked in step with the father, only doing what he saw him doing. Jesus, fully God, fully human, part of the Trinity, three in one and one in three, father, son, and spirit. Is it even possible for Jesus to experience the dark night? Was there a point in his story where he might have experienced the feeling of being abandoned by God? There is one moment that makes me think perhaps yes. And I'm offering this tentatively because I'm talking about one of the most important moments in history. When Jesus is on the cross, he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I think the theology of that moment is complicated. Scholars have been asking for probably 2,000 years where exactly God was working and present as Jesus died. We can take into account that Jesus as God knew that he was fulfilling countless prophecies. And there's an argument to be made for the fact that he was quoting Psalm 22 as he cried out from the cross. But as fully as Jesus was God, the deep mystery is that he was also fully human He had been abandoned by most of his friends and he was in the midst of dying a horrifying death, hung on a cross. And maybe, just maybe, our beloved human Jesus felt forsaken in that moment. Even as history was turning and the whole plan for redemption was coming into place. And if Jesus felt the dark night, then maybe there's comfort for us too as we walk through it. And so what do, we, what do we do with any of this? It felt important as I was preparing to give a good chunk of context for the dark night of the soul. We don't talk much about it, so we don't necessarily have the language or a paradigm for it. The hope of the dark night is that there is goodness on the other side, that there is spiritual growth, that there is greater intimacy with God than we have ever experienced before. And as I've walked through it, one of the biggest challenges for me has been to ask, do I want the warm, fuzzy feelings that I associate with the presence of God? Or do I want the presence of God? Do I want God himself? I've been wrestling with the idea that my relationship with God might look different on the other side. If we think about when a child is learning to walk, there comes a point where... As the grown-up, you have to move your hand out of reach so that the child will stretch and learn and grow and develop the new skill. 
And there's frustration in that for the baby because they're used to being carried everywhere and they're used to the constant presence of the grown-up and suddenly they seem just out of reach. But as the grown-up, we don't actually go anywhere. Our posture is one of love and reaching out towards the child. We continue to love our babies and catch them when they fall and cheer them on when they learn to walk and run and jump. And I believe that is what God is doing with us in the dark night. He hasn't gone anywhere. He's just teaching us something new. And that's the hope I have to offer this morning. I can't yet offer you the triumphant testimony of my story tied up in a pretty bow. But I do think the dawn is coming. We cannot hustle our way out of the, of the dark night. I don't have a shortcut to offer you or... 10 top tips for surviving the dark night of the soul. If God has brought you into the dark night, I think the only way through is through. And I mean, it might be that you could pray and ask God to bring you out because the Israelites wanted to go back to Egypt after all. But the chances are you will go backwards and you'll miss the good that might happen on the other side. And there are good choices to be made in the dark night. It might be tempting to withdraw and hide, but there is a lot of wisdom in choosing to stay in community. Stay with people who will remind you of what's true and who will hold you in prayer and who will remind you of the good that God has done in the past. And this has been so important for me, processing with people who've experienced this and come out the other side. It might be tempting to sulk, to walk away and to hide, I mean, Noah came out the other side and immediately planted a vineyard and got very drunk. I would suggest that running away and drinking are probably not the cleverest ways to handle this kind of season. Stay in community. Stay accountable about the choices that you're making. Find at least one person to be vulnerable with and explain what you're going through. For me, that space has been in staff huddle and it's been uh, with Anya as we've done accountability together. Just find, find one person. That's all. Keep it in the open. There is no shame here. There is only goodness and light to be found on the other side. The invitation is that of Aslan to all of the people and animals coming into the new Nyanya at the end of the last battle. Come further in come further on and so as I come towards the end I'm going to send around some bowls of Scottish tablet which my husband is helpfully going to help with so this is a kind of fudge it's mainly made of sugar and butter so if you're allergic to either of those things please be aware and make wise choices But I would like to invite you each to take a piece and to savour it. Because whether you're in a dark night or not, I want to land in a reminder that God is good and he is sweet and he is here. No matter what our felt sense of God is this morning, he is here. And having a piece of tablet seems like a tangible way of remembering that. And as the bowls go round, I would like to remind us of one of the names of Jesus. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us.
He's our God who moved into the neighborhood. He came close just for us. And next Sunday we move into Advent with this whole season of just anticipation of the coming of Jesus. So we started in the Psalms this morning and I'm going to land there as well. I'd love to read a section of Psalm 139 over us as a kind of blessing and benediction. And so whatever your experience of God is right now, I pray that this would sink deep into your heart today. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. Amen.